Hi everyone. We just wanted to warn you today that we are going to be talking about some sensitive topics in relation to mental health in this episode. In our episode, we will talk about body dysmorphia, stalking, online bullying, and trauma. If you are affected by any of these things, we encourage you to reach out for help. Check out our bio at The Triage on Instagram to explore your resources. Hi, I'm Rachna. I'm Natalie. And I'm Christy. And welcome to The Triage Podcast. Social media has become a phenomenon that has transformed our society over the last decade. With the rise of Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, and just recently TikTok, we have found new ways to create new products, make money through branding and partnerships, and connect with people we may have never connected with before. In 2020, the average use of social media per day was 149 minutes, which equates to approximately 2.5 hours. This number, however, increases based off of the age group. People aged 16 to 29 spend the most time, approximately three hours per day, on social networking platforms, while adults aged 45 to 54 spend an hour and 39 minutes on social media every day. But this all comes with a cost. Research reported in the journal JAMA Psychiatry found that adolescents who use social media for more than three hours a day may be at heightened risk of mental health problems, particularly internalizing problems. In this episode today, we're going to be discussing the impact of social media on mental health. So when we kind of bring up the topic of social media and mental health, I think the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is thinking about body image, especially with the rise of Instagram models and Facetune and everything. Do you guys have any kind of thoughts to add to that? I honestly think the same exact thing like when we were preparing for this episode that was the thing that came to the forefront of my mind Um, because body image even though if it's your first time learning about like body image issues it may sound maybe superficial it's so much deeper than that it's because like especially us as women are taught from such a young age to tie our self-worth to the look of our bodies and how we present ourselves and even though this has been around before social media, for instance, magazines um, and tabloids when we were growing up, that was really the big source of like information on celebrities and things like that. So seeing like, oh, who wore what outfit better, but they'd be ex- accentuating um, maybe parts of somebody's body that the camera purposely didn't make look flattering or maybe even Photoshop didn't make look flattering and things like that. Like that was kind of our first exposure to it in my, in my, this is just my opinion. So even though we've had that with mostly Instagram and now TikTok and things, now it's just so much more saturated in our day-to-day life. And when you tie your self-worth to your appearance, it can make everyday things really, really hard. And then that's when it could start turning into a mental illness and things like that. Uh, and it's, it could be detrimental. Yeah. And I, it's, you wrapped it up perfectly. I think it's just an odd transition to go from when we were younger to knowing that magazines were photoshopped and you were able to pinpoint exactly who was being uh, manufactured, um, what you were seeing. You were able to kind of understand what was being done to models or celebrities or t- people in tabloids. But now 
since it is every day on social media, it's everyone, like you said, like you don't, and you don't even know about it because Facetune and these apps are so, um, they've gone through so many iterations and they're so good now that you can't even tell. Um, even like everyday things, like I personally, I don't use these apps, but I had a picture uh that I loved, but I had like water all over my dress and I was able to perfectly edit it where you had no idea. And it's just like unbelievable. And it's everyday people like us that can edit our images. And now I haven't really seen it, but videos you can edit now where like, that used to be the telltale sign where like, you know, if someone was only posting pictures or only posting these kinds of things, like you were like, okay, I can kind of understand if that was edited, but now videos can be edited. So it's like, you wouldn't even know. You wouldn't even know that things are being edited. And it's just like, it hurts my brain. Yeah, and it's crazy because there's like this whole um, situation where everyone is kind of denying that they use the Facetune and all these different editing softwares. And then I just what comes to mind for me is Khloe Kardashian because there's that one famous picture of her going around where everyone was kind of bashing on her for having such a edited picture and then on the flip side of that there's another picture of her going around that was unedited of her in a bathing suit and then people started body shaming her for her bathing suit picture and this is why people edit the pictures in the first place is because they're so self-conscious of how they portray themselves on social media that they feel like they need to edit their bodies to the extremes just to feel like they can even post pictures of themselves. Yeah, it's so sad. And it's so hard when you think about now those young kids who are our age when we were looking at magazines. So when, you know, we were in elementary school, middle school, those kids of the same age are now growing up with Instagram and TikTok and it's becoming all that they know. And like, these like kids and like even young adults are like very good at facetune like i cannot tell when a face a picture is facetuned like you know it kind of used to be a joke as well like when you would see for instance if there was like someone was standing by like a wallpaper or like a tile design and like you would see that the tiles would be curved inward or outward depending on how they were editing the picture because the entire background got warped now it's like so they make like the detailing so microscopic that it's so hard to even pinpoint it and like I'm a young woman and it still kind of affects me in different ways. I can't imagine like a young adolescent whose mind is still actively developing and is also in that mentality of comparing themselves to peers because that's all they know. And I do that as well, but I mean like on like um an adolescent basis as like as well. Yeah, and the type of body type that people kind of edit their bodies to look like on social media is I feel like unachievable at this point like there's that whole like the curvy but skinny type of body that everyone's trying to aim for and it really can kind of manifest in unhealthy habits for someone who's younger like they might change their eating habits because of that they might over exercise in order to kind of look like that even though that's not something that they could really achieve but also kind of Bouncing off of body image, there's another whole aspect to how people portray themselves on social media with LinkedIn. So that's not even really body image, but it's more self-image and how they want to like kind of purport their accomplishments, which is a really great thing. Like it's a great way to make connections, but also it can kind of make you feel insecure and inadequate because there's all these people 
achieving all these great things and if you're not posting about it or not getting all the promotions that everyone else is getting around you it could have could also impact your self-image too do you guys have any thoughts about that no I completely agree I think that LinkedIn started as a networking website and it still is a networking website but it's turned into a more like complete social media platform which I think is very interesting like they added text post reactions they added messaging like things that I don't believe were in like the very very first beta versions of the website and of course things are going to evolve over time that's just like any website like with today's day and age like trying to make itself a competitor with other things that's totally understandable but I mean people getting sexually harassed on LinkedIn over like DMs like you know you know what you're talking about like people just posting their accomplishments too much to the point where it's not really like applicable to the platform if that makes sense like if it's somebody with a very secure job or maybe somebody in a hiring position but then they're you know posting about themselves I don't know if this makes sense but like that's not going to connect you with folks as much as you think it will and to take everything that you see on LinkedIn with a grain of salt because somebody could be talking about how amazing they are at this role, but be having, like, a really difficult time just maybe emotionally behind the scenes with, like, that role. So you don't really always know, like, what's going on. Yeah, I even said, I think, a few episodes back, I was, like, talking about how amazing LinkedIn is. And I think we all agree, like, with any of these platforms, it's, there's a give and take. Like, us three, we haven't seen each other in a year and a half, and we wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to keep our friendship up in the way that we have without social media. So it's hard. And and that goes, that's the same thing with LinkedIn. Like when we're talking about, um, you know, classism and privilege, like I feel like LinkedIn opens up doors that weren't open before in terms of like accessibility to some of these, um, prestigious companies or prestigious universities like before you'd have to like go to networking events to meet people but now on LinkedIn you can message people directly and you know they could answer or they could not answer but it also like I only I mean only but I didn't have that many internships in college whereas a lot of other people did and LinkedIn allowed me to use my class projects or like use some like a research paper that I've done and like make it into an opportunity that would then kind of complement or um, add something that I wouldn't have gotten without an internship. And I that's something that I always tell people when I mentor them. Like, even if you're not able to take an unpaid internship, if you're not able to to do something like that, like posting your, your classwork, po- posting your reports that you've done, anything on LinkedIn, because it gives you an online portfolio. Whereas like 10 years ago, people were only able to do that with like website domains that they purchased on their own. Um, but it's also like where you used to be you used to only know like okay this person is going to this university like now like people post everything that they've been accepted to on LinkedIn um I personally did not have I mean I still don't think I'm having like a great time post-grad I mean I am but like career-wise it just it's it's a lot slower than like colleges and you start to just feel insecure about that and like when you see that one of your classmates has been promoted like four times already and like you're three years post-grad it's just like wow like am I doing am I like doing good work am I actually contributing to society like it's just you start to 
it's just a very American view of work. Like when you ask someone about themselves, the first thing they say is their job or like what school they go to. And I feel like that's not the same in other countries. And I think LinkedIn exacerbates that reality. Like it's your profile says I'm a whatever at this company. Like and I think people are starting to get away. Yeah, exactly. Ever. It's just like not I mean, it's, like, good and bad because it's, like, your identity is literally tied to the job you have and the company you work for. I mean, the super interesting thing about social media is that between LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook, I feel like everything about you that has ever happened in your life, if you're not careful about it, is, like, out on this platform. But um, I think one of the biggest negatives is that is that it kind of opens you up to – getting online harassment i mean natalie touched upon this a little bit before but cyberbullying is a huge problem with these online platforms 59 percent of u.s teens experience cyberbullying or online harassment and 90 percent say that they think this harassment is a problem that affects other people their age so this is a huge problem especially in the younger population and i don't know with everything being out there and them being vulnerable to this kind of this kind of criticism it can be really detrimental to these people's mental health also as well i was just thinking about this there was this tech there's two tiktok trends i actually want to talk about the first one um is going to sound super similar to something that's going on but it's i'll explain why i feel like it's different There was this trend where men would post screenshots of a woman's dating profile and they would not match and they would say, oh, TikTok, do your thing. Help me find this person. And it would get really dangerous very quickly because there is a reason they didn't match. Like the woman just didn't match with the man. And I say man because I my experience on the like on TikTok was seeing two or three men do this. And luckily, the people in the comments shut it down pretty quickly. But there were instances I know of like people being like, oh my god it's a modern day love story it's this woman and like giving her name and like maybe her facebook or something when like no it's not that at all and now it's kind of similar to this trend going on of like with the i'll never forget you song and like people are but that that i feel is a little different because they're sharing experiences that they've had with a random person that they've met in their lives and like if they come back together that way they come back together but i saw one instance of a girl saying she met a guy on spring break and he was married (laughs) which of course that's really sad like for the other wife in the picture and the and the woman who posted it but they found this person's like social media full name like it's super easy to find out information about and all they had was his face in the video i should add not even a first name then not even a first name so i don't know if they like screen like screenshot his face in the video and then like did a reverse image search or something which i don't even know how that would work because it's from a video like I don't really know what they did but that opens like the wife for harassment that opens like the man for harassment because I don't know if they were married like this trip was five years ago kind of going on a bit of a rant but like basically you just have to expect everything with social media and expect that people won't respect privacy Mm -hmm. Um, especially for like kids who are still learning because to them the internet's always been open and then reversely like kids need to be protected online too like talking about like not only mental health but like physically too i also i just and i know this 
kind of goes into our next topic too so we don't have to jump to it because we have a lot of important things to discuss but it's just you are so accessible online and I think that's great but I also think it comes at a cost like I personally like when I am in a really bad mental health state I don't answer texts I don't answer emails like I mean I answer work emails but like I just kind of like shut down and it's kind of while that can be bad I think like most of my friends understand at this point that I need that time and I often communicate it but it's just like I like I haven't had Instagram for like a month now like I'll I'll log in on my computer sometimes to check things but like I don't have Instagram right now and I've noticed that I have a lot of messages from people and they're like wondering like why I haven't answered or like why I haven't posted this why I haven't done this and it's just like I need time off and it's also just like um you know like you post things on social media that doesn't mean you want to be messaged about things like I think there's been this beautiful movement with mental health and like with sexual violence like any type of trauma like if you feel comfortable sharing that to like increase awareness like we mentioned on our last episode people have taken to social media to do that and to raise awareness and it's been beautiful and I've had a beautiful relationship with that and have met a lot of amazing people but it's also like opened me up to receiving a lot of traumatic messages to be honest and like a lot of people like taking it a little too far and it's just like the fact that you're accessible online and it's just such a hard balance like it's so like the internet is so beautiful like we keep saying but it's also just like it just keeps your mind on like our minds should not be on like this all the time like on getting all of this information and but it's also like important to get all of this information so I don't know I am always like very meta about the internet and so I'm just gonna shut up now but I don't know no it's it, I mean it's so weird because literally I mean, I kind of said this before, everything that you ever posted ever is out there somewhere on some internet server. And I mean, I've never really posted anything problematic myself, I don't think, but they're like really embarrassing, like posts that would come up as my status like eight years ago on Facebook as a memory. And I'd be like, what did, why am I saying this? And I would delete it. But what I'm talking about this is like some people sometimes will say, things that are problematic and they may not have the awareness that that's problematic at that time of their life and then it kind of comes back to bite them later so that can be via jobs like jobs looking at your profile and then seeing like you liked something weird and they'd be like well we don't know if that's a red flag for them or I mean just cancel culture in general because it's it's just like I don't know. It's very problematic because it takes a while for people to become aware of different issues that are going on in the world. And when you're young, you may not understand all those issues. We don't immediately become born um, woke. We're just, we kind of just learn things as we go on and we learn to question things that we may have been raised and taught uh, knowing and we might question those things later being like, well, is that necessarily true? So, I mean, you see all these celebrities in social media posting things like maybe like 10 years ago that may be problematic now and they understand that that's problematic now, but 10 years ago they didn't. 
but people are bringing up this dirt on them and canceling them and saying really extreme things to them like you should go hurt yourself and other things and it's not necessarily right to do so because I don't know it's been so many years and they they hopefully have learned their lesson since then like why that would be problematic but yeah social media is very complicated as you guys can tell from this episode there's just so many so many issues I mean you guys were also talking about before the cyber stalking thing just having all your information out there people can just show up at your door I mean celebrities especially can have random people showing up at their house trying to break into their house saying weird stuff like they're married to this person or they want to meet this person and it's just a total invasion of their privacy and we have to kind of ask ourselves at the end of the day how much do we want to be putting on social media platforms like how much do we want to keep to ourselves because this stuff once it's out there it's kind of out there permanently I do have some thoughts about like the cancel culture like if we wanted to dive into that a little bit more I feel like there's a really important distinction that should be made between um canceling somebody who is now an adult but did harmful things when they were a child like for instance like harmful tweets or facebook posts versus deplatforming adults like who made the conscious choice to be racist or homophobic or other like another harmful like act when they were still adults like so i know that like a lot of people miss Jenna Marbles and I have a complicated relationship with Jenna Marbles like I like her do I think she's changed yeah but a lot of people are like no she shouldn't have been deplatformed I think she did the right thing she was extremely yeah she was extremely racist as an as an adult she was a young adult but she was still an adult she was over 18 and she did the right thing and removed herself from the situation because she's showing up like she's showing up and she's saying I don't want to profit off of this right like I don't want to profit off of this platform that I grew while having like a racist foundation I don't want to profit off of that and I think that was the right thing to do like I don't think she should be like commended for it but I think that that was the right thing to do and you know everybody misses her which is I think also valid but every like I'll see people online being like she should have never left like that was just too far I I don't I don't agree I don't agree and I don't agree with um people who try to victimize themselves instead of just owning up and wanting to grow from harmful things that they've done like as an adult but I do agree with like true I think when people post things and then it kind of gets dug up they do have to take a certain level of accountability for those things But I'm more so talking about, like, the reaction or the level of reaction that you can get from it can be also very extreme. It's, like, a very delicate balance where, yeah, they did something messed up, but also how far can we go in, quote-unquote, punishing them for the mistake? Right. So it's very Like, death death threats are never acceptable. Yeah. You know, stalking and going to somebody's house or like like threatening harm like on that's just never acceptable yeah no matter the situation Mm -hmm. you're right it's like a delicate balance of somebody owning up to it and committing to the work to learn 
uh, versus like like I guess yeah like you're saying like having a very harmful reaction from just I guess like bystanders like people on the internet who are viewing what's going on yeah exactly and I mean we kind of touched upon this a little bit before but there's also this invasion of privacy that can happen with social media in terms of revenge porn which in itself it's a whole complicated issue especially when it involves minors and people just think that because they have access to these images they can use this as a way to hurt someone's reputation by posting it online and sharing it with people which is just so messed up just saying it is just disgusting to me and that can just be so detrimental to someone just seeing this private part of their life being shared on social media that they didn't obviously want to be shared in the first place. Something that ties a lot of these concepts together is, um, and we don't have to get too into it, and I'm not part of this community, so I don't want to speak for a, a community, but I think the fact that we don't have a lot of protections for sex workers specifically, I think has really added a lot of harm to that community with the internet. Like I've seen on online a lot of, kind of like we were saying, like with cancel culture, like people taking it too far with getting back at people. Some people have taken it, um, taken things into their own hands who maybe don't believe in sex work and have been outing people to their family members from seeing images online of them. And then again, social media makes people accessible so people have found people's parents they found people's family members and have shown screenshots of whether it's porn or whether it's something from a website like OnlyFans or something like that and has completely ruined people's lives same thing with just like any personal information you have people take it take it into their own hands and sharing that with other people like and it's hard because obviously when you post on social media, things are accessible, but I'm not talking about like tweets that anyone can see. I'm talking about sensitive content that should be protected, that people are working towards, they're creating for um, a community that they have or for um, a business that they have. And then people are taking that and, and causing harm with it. And so I think it, it just brings up, I mean, so many of these things, we need protection for minors online. We need protection for... Um, people experiencing traumatic experiences, but especially when it comes to sex work, these people need to be protected, especially just given how intertwined social media is with it now. And it's it, like same thing with sites like Pornhub specifically has allowed for child pornography to stay on there. It's It's just very harmful. And again, it's a platform that's essentially social media that it, it's so hard to have protections on there and and to take things off and to make sure that people's um, identities are protected. And it's just like horrible because also it like during the pandemic, it's allowed people to still stay making money. It's allowed people to build a community and to build a business and to create um, a revenue stream that they, they completely lost during the pandemic. And so again, like everything we've been talking about, it's a really difficult balance and it, it all just comes with all of us protecting one another. 
it's so funny because there's this weird paradox where social media can help build you a reputation, but it takes so quick to also break down that reputation as well. But um, one more thing that I really wanted to talk about on this episode was the exposure to trauma that people can get from social media. I mean, I talked about this a little bit in the beginning, how social media is really great at conveying information, conveying news, and getting information out there to people who may have not known about these different types of things happening in the country before. But especially when it comes to racial trauma and sexual assault, these things can be really traumatizing to see posts and stuff shared about these things because it can be triggering for these people to kind of be seeing these things and there may not be an appropriate trigger warning or warning that these posts are going to come up before this person sees the post but um like one of the ways that people or our audience can kind of mitigate that is when you see posts like this that are showing especially graphic content um, on topics like this you should try not to interact directly with the post obviously the awareness is necessary for that those situations but also you can try to share more posts that don't really necessarily explicitly show that content if that makes sense Um, yeah like if something's viral on twitter if something's viral on twitter there's going to be like 20 posts about it so say maybe one of those posts contains the video for like the safety of you and others you don't have to interact with that video you can interact with a text a tweet that's just text that explains like what's going on or something like that exactly and i think it it just goes on I think a lot of our conversation, whether it is social media the problem, maybe not. It's probably society and the values we have. I think social media just um, projects who we really are sometimes. Like if people were going to stalk people, social media has given them the avenue to do that. If people were not going to support sex workers, social media, again, just gives the avenue for people to do that, which is unfortunate. But it's the same thing with, like, a lot of events that happen. Obviously, some t- a lot of the times, like, having video proof has been proven as of recently um, in the past couple of years. Now that we've been able to share videos online, it's been able to expose the truth. But some things, like, especially when it comes to things like sexual assault, like, just believe people too like you know what I mean like why do we always as a society need to have the highest standard of yeah like why like even when people tell me things and like they come to me and tell me something I don't need to see a video or like hear something to believe it you know what I mean obviously with like some interactions um where the media lies about things and like maybe doesn't expose the full truth like we need things like that but I feel like we've just gotten in a habit of like needing to have the full like exposure of everything and like these are like sensitive events in people's lives and I don't know it's just like again hard balance I keep saying that yeah it's like you need that burden of proof but also it's just 
does that need to be shareable with the whole public it's yeah. just yeah. weird and it's like you need the awareness for some people things. still don't believe it. yeah you yeah. see the video some people see those videos that are really horrible and traumatizing and they still are just like oh well the victim is at fault it's just like man did we just watch the same video yeah it's, like i ugh. the number one thing i've thought about this year is the insurrection on the capitol like you can c- clearly with your own eyes see what's happening or if you can't like you know hear or like get account accounts from people about what's happening but it's like people still don't believe that too so it's like yes we're sharing things for awareness but like people still hear what they want to hear they see what they want to see they read what they want to read and so it's just tough like there's so many ways to manipulate things too like they're also like people manipulate images as well and videos um so it's hard and I don't know. I think we've talked about a lot (laughs) on this episode, Um, but we just kind of wanted to share maybe some strategies to help mitigate the impact of social media on mental health. I mean, it's obviously such a big part of our lives now, but there's definitely some ways that we could kind of decrease the impact it's having on us. And I mean, this is one thing that I personally do is that I have this app on the iPhone. I think anyone who has an iPhone has this app. It's called Screen Time. And I put a limit on my social media to like, I don't even know how long it is, maybe like an hour a day. So that once I hit that hour, that's it. Like I can't look at any of my social media platforms. And I mean, that's been really good for me because even in terms of distraction, sometimes I can just scroll endlessly and mindlessly on social media and find that half of my day is gone which also can be bad for your mental health in other ways but I don't know that's been something that's been really useful for me um do you guys have any other tips I do I beyond screen time um that's really helped me lately I found another kind of like version of that through the iPhone through the health app and it's called bedtime I think and it actually I have it on a setting where it's it turns off like I can't go on to social media or a lot of apps 45 minutes before like my quote-unquote bedtime and it I also don't allow it like an hour after I wake up um, personally like a lot of my stress since graduating college and like working full-time has been like getting emails either after hours or like waking up and right away seeing emails or like seeing like event reminders and so the fact that I have like you know an hour to 30 minutes where like I'm not getting like information spewed to me has been really great um so that's another suggestion too if you like need help winding down it it's also like forced me to read more too before bed because if I can't go on YouTube or whatever like I'll pick up a book. I don't know. <laughs> no, totally. I read that having that less exposure to blue light, even if you have the warm, it's great to have the warm automatic warm setting come on your phone as well. But even just the light in general actually affects you going to sleep. You can fall asleep better with like just less blue light in your face, less light on your face. Like that's why they tell you to shut your lights when you go to sleep, like stuff like that. Now, do I do that? I'm learning, so I'm still learning. <laughs> it's all a work in progress. Um, it's all a work in progress, but I read that, and I'm trying to implement it in my life yeah. as well. And I, I like to read a lot. I like to read a lot as well. 
Yeah. I like to read a lot too. Yeah. I mean, something else that you could also do is just straight up delete the apps, but obviously this is easier said than done. I think we've become very intertwined with the apps in our daily lives. Like for example, for Facebook, my class has a Facebook page where they communicate things that are happening and if I were to delete Facebook, then I wouldn't really have access to that page. So that would kind of be a disadvantage to me almost that I wouldn't have that. And that's something that I've always wanted to delete, honestly, because I just feel like there's just I kind of was talking about this before, but there's just so many cringeworthy pictures and old things on there that I just <laughs> I just don't want to be existent in the social media space at all. So, yeah, but I mean... Sometimes I'll delete them around times when I'm like, okay, I need a break. But you can like try to cut down on it kind of like one by one. Like what do you use the least out of the social media platforms and then try to cut that out and just see how it goes slowly over time. But obviously it's very hard to do. Oh, I have I have something. I couldn't think of anything. I don't know why. I have something. <laughs> this is something I do in my personal life. I do not follow people who I feel insecure when consuming their content because I get insecure very easily and I admire so many different there's so many different like beautiful women on Instagram who I admire so much that they turn into their full-time job because even though it's not a traditional job it's still not easy it's a lot of work and they're putting themselves out on display for risk of everything we've talked about in this episode um but I'm still working on not being insecure when I see people who have different body types than myself um I definitely I definitely do like um know myself enough to know that not consuming that content for me is the best like I like using Instagram as a way to stay in touch with some friends so for me deleting the app isn't the most deleting the app isn't the best thing for me but I do know that I can control what I see because then sometimes I'll fall down rabbit holes anyway, like looking at celebrities. And, and then again, I don't know what's edited. I don't know what's not edited. Like, I, cause I just don't have that. I don't have that site. <laughs> so I can't, I can't figure it out. So it's just a bad cycle. So for me, that's how I can ele- put that element of control back into my media consumption. Although I would like to consume it less. Yeah. I am synonymous. Like, people associate this with me but like I've always been someone who deletes the Instagram app like a lot I just like need to because of the endless scrolling and now that there's like reels on it oh my god like I haven't had TikTok for like a year but now that it's on Instagram it's like yeah yeah and like I love my air fryer so like now my reels were like all air fryer recipes and it's just like yeah mine's all working out videos yeah and it's just like honestly now that I haven't had the app on my phone for like about a month now I like think I'm beautiful (laughs) you are beautiful but like I honestly look at myself differently in the mirror because I'm not like constantly seeing what other people look like in that kind of way and like I really do look at myself differently um and it's like kind of unbelievable and like obviously there are other factors in play too like I work a lot of hours so like maybe I'm just like not focused on the way I look but like I like start to see my progress from working out more like it's honestly kind of just unbelievable like how even a month of not being on an app like that can help and of course like I have the same things like I have friends on there that like 
I haven't like I realized like I haven't stayed in touch with people because like we were like just like Instagram friends honestly so it's like sad but I don't know like I've been feeling like really good about it and it makes me sad too because the triage Instagram I love but like I just can't even like have the app because it's just it it sucked so much of my time yeah it just really has I wish there was like a, a time limit you could put maybe this actually does exist but I just don't know about it where it's like once you click into an app how much time you could spend on that one click at a time if that makes sense so like if I click into Instagram like set a time limit to 10 minutes and then it just gets me out of that I don't know that'd be something yeah. that would be something good to have it would the last tip I have because this has been another thing that's helped me is like there are a lot of sneaky social medias out there so like I think LinkedIn is kind of one of those that we like touched on and I think it's becoming more of like an obvious form of social media but apps like Goodreads and like your Apple Watch sharing or like your Fitbit sharing, Strava, I don't use that, but I think it's an app where you can like share running and like biking stats. There are just so many of those things that like are another way to consume what other people are doing. And it's like another thing that opens you up to perception from other people and even like safety issues. Like I remember on Instagram for a while, I think people still are doing this, like they'll post pictures of like their running routes and that's, like, very unsafe, to be honest. So, like, please out there, if you're doing that, like, I know, like, you should be proud of yourself if you have, like, a really good workout and, like, you're, you want to show off. Like, please do, but, like, do it safely. Like, you should not be sharing your running routes with anyone. Like, even if you think that the people who follow you are, like, people you can trust, you never know. Like, I don't want to scare you, but I just really worry about people's safety. But even, like, Goodreads, like, I just, like, I don't want people to see what I'm reading. Like, I know that sounds weird, and I know it's such a... Like, all of these social media platforms have so much benefit, but, like, I just get freaked out thinking about, like, oh, this person can see that I read this book, and, like, they see that I'm, like, not hitting my goal of the year, and it, like, stresses me out about, like, hitting my reading goal for the year because people can see that I'm, like, 10 books behind, and just, like, the Apple Watch, like, oh, my gosh, like, this person has hit their, like, move goal and have, like, burned this many calories today, and, like, I didn't, but, like, I don't feel... I don't know. It's just, like... We track so much we literally shit. Track so much. And it's just like not Even the healthy. Snapchat but like, there's tracking. so much benefit. Like, you know what I'm talking about? The Snapchat. Yes. App? Like, why do people share that with everyone that they're friends with yeah. on Snapchat? But it's so That's, cute because, like, I love a little bit more. I know, but like, so cute. share it with like I your know, I really I only close pick friends, 10 you know? people. Yeah, I only yeah, pick 10 don't, people. Yeah, don't share it with everyone. You both, you both are on there. <laughs> and it's so cute because it's like movies. scary like you never know what someone <laughs> yeah. could do with that information i mean we talked a little bit about cyber stalking in this episode like you just never know who can use that information maliciously so anyways um i think we're talking a lot about like individual ways that we could kind of combat this but at the end of the day i think social media platforms in general need to take responsibility for the monster that they've kind of created i mean i think in the uk or somewhere somewhere in the world they like even took away the likes on instagram or something like that because people were getting very i mean people do get very self-conscious about the amount of likes that they do get on posts so i don't know it's just such a hard thing because they obviously are making money from it, so they want people to keep scrolling and stay on their platforms. But at the end of the day, it's so detrimental to someone's mental health to be constantly scrolling through these things, comparing yourself to others, 
getting exposed to all this online harassments and all these online comments that could be negative, could be exposed to cyber stalking, could be exposed to all the things that we basically talked about today. So there has to be some sort of way for them to curb what kind of giant snowball that they've created basically um, to this point. So, yeah. To close, we think everyone who's listening is valuable and worth more than their appearance or how many followers that they have. Um, And we thank you so much for listening and listening to us be vulnerable in this space. And we love to hear from you. So you could find us at the triage on Instagram if you want to, you know, share your experience or anything like that. And thanks. Thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye.